0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please knock that out. While you're here, let's get into it. A busy weekend of college basketball is, for all intents and purposes, now in the books. Every ranked team, at least according to the Associated Press Top 25 poll, uh, that was scheduled to play, uh, they've, they've played already. And for the most part, the weekend went as planned. There were 20 games featuring at least one team that's ranked in the AP poll. And the favorites won 19 of those 20 games. The only ranked favorite that didn't win was... Your Tennessee volunteers. We'll get to the balls a little later on, and rest assured, we will get to what happened inside Pinnacle Bank before we're done. But I wanted to start with a couple of other notable results from the weekend, specifically these two Uh, Kansas 87, Baylor 71, and NC State 77, North Carolina 69, because those two results gave me a four and one week in the final four and one dead leg. You went two and three, which means I now have a massive two game lead in the final four and one some are calling it insurmountable how would you describe the uphill battle you're now facing
1: uh uh, borderline unprecedented i don't know this might be a first final four and one um uh, you know what? You know how I know it's a first? Because you never talk about the final 4 and one on a Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it up when we have to every Friday. I can't ever recall you inducing final 4 and one talk on a Sunday, so this really might be the first time ever. Congratulations, GP. We got plenty I of
0: almost did an emergency pod by myself this afternoon. You should have. You should, <laughs> just, you just, should just, have, popped, just popped on by myself and be like, hey, I just wanted to update you guys on the final 4 and one just run through the scores, two and a half minute pod uploaded to the feed. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I
1: should have you should have done it, not told me about it. would've been incredible. Keep that logged uh, for future use because that's that's not the worst idea in the world. Okay, too big, too big. yes, you're you're ahead in the in the final four and one. We'll see how it goes moving forward, but yes, and you're having your best season ever. We are both well above 500. As a reminder, we do that as a vehicle and vessel to talk about games. We just so happen to be like doing extremely well against the spread. Uh, take those picks at your own risk moving forward. Uh, to you, what's the biggest result of the weekend? Your uh, your picks, notwithstanding. GP.
0: Um, we've talked about it so much uh, because, like, listen, Kansas over Baylor was a wild game. What? but the re- but the result is not crazy damaging or helpful to anybody Kansas already has more quadrant one wins than anybody else they just added another one Kansas already projected as a number one seed they just still projected as a number I, one seed I just can I jump in real quick on that of course yeah okay
1: because I, I talked about this on HQ so right now bring up the let me bring up the team sheets here. I'm actually thinking after the nature of that win, and it was outrageous. Kansas put on the best second half performance. I think I've seen the entire season taking into account the opponent. I know it was at home, but it was a 64 to 31 flip. Okay. That is unbelievable. Baylor's actually got some defensive, defensive issues to, to figure out there for as great as the offense is. Wow. Jekyll and Hyde. If I've ever seen it between two high quality teams this season. Now, Kansas with the win 13 quad one wins. Who's number two in that group? Purdue with nine. So I actually think Kansas is really putting itself in a spot here. Let me bring up the schedule real quick. All right. At TCU is another quad one on Monday night. Win at TCU, perish. It it feels like they're they're a one seed no matter what. You could lose at home to West Virginia, lose at home to Texas Tech, lose at Texas, and lose your first Big 12 tournament game going to be a lot of losses, but they're going to have so many more quad one wins than anyone else. So, KU fans, don't take it all the way to the bank, and they're going to get more than one more, but can't? how about this? About a week ago, yeah, Kansas was flirting with that one line. They had been in the one seed conversation, but winning against Baylor, I think you have passed a threshold here where you have a lot more slack to lose games than you might even realize because not everything is quad one wins, but they do carry... Quite clearly, a tremendous amount of weight. And again, February 19th, they have a four-game lead. I wish I had the data for you to say if that's unprecedented. To me, it feels like that. We've only done the net here for almost a half decade. But even if you transpose that to RPI, it feels like this is super rare to have four more high-quality wins than anyone else in the field. And we're not even to March yet. So I actually think big-picture GP, the win is really a good signal for Kansas' future on the one line three weeks from tonight.
0: Okay, let's stay focused on this, and then we'll get to the result that I actually think is the most meaningful okay. from the weekend. Um, I agree with you. I think Kansas probably has more slack as it pertains to being a number 1 seed, maybe than anybody else in the country, and like you said, maybe more than KU fans even realize. I would stop short of saying they could lose out and still get a number 1 seed, but... Um, they're not going to lose out. It's Kansas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. Kansas. It's Bill Self. They're not losing out. I don't. I don't think they could lose out and still get a number one seed. But uh, I get your point. It's it's not um, unimaginable. Either way, they're not going to lose out right now. By the way, Kansas and Texas both ten and four in the league with four regular season games left, tied for first. Um, but yeah, K- Kansas is in an obviously great spot, and the comeback. I mean it it's outrageous and it's becoming a little bit of a i don't want to say a trend or a pattern but like they do it they they, they do this to people um they were down 40 uh, you know as cal boone strong jaw uh, noted in his winners losers column kansas has now overcome a double digit deficit to win a big 12 game a double digit deficit at half to win a big 12 game inside allen Fieldhouse twice this season they're down 45 to 30 to oklahoma state won the game 69-67, outscored the Cowboys 39-22 in the second half. This time down 45-32 to Baylor at the half, down 17 at one point, point. win the game 87-71. Down 17, win it by 16, outscored the Bears 55-26 in the second half. And then you want to go back to last season, down 40-25 at the half of the national title game against North Carolina, win the game 72-69, outscored the Tar Heels 47-29 Forty-seven, twenty-nine in the second half of that game. About the worst thing you can do, seems to me, is lead Kansas by double digits at the half. Like if if I if I were playing Kansas, if I were playing Kansas, I would and we're up like eleven at with fourteen seconds left, and Kansas has, shaving, shaving points. Yeah. I let them score. I let them score. Cut it to nine. Now let's go to the half, and perhaps we can trick them into thinking they don't have to come out blazing at the start of the second half because that's that's what they have done in in really all of those in all of those games back to the to the league um race kansas and texas actually play in the regular season finale it's gonna be good awesome in austin I think I asked you this about Alabama A&M because it's interesting. Top two in the SEC, top two in the Big 12 close the regular season against each other. And I think I asked you, do you think alabama texas AM m final game of the regular season for those two schools will be for the SEC title? And you said no. And I agree with you. I don't think so, except, oh, by the way, Texas A&M went into Missouri and won. Uh, th- that's a, that's the game we a game we both missed in the final four and, and one so i agree with you i think alabama will have that one that league one by the time we get there but you know we'll see yeah
1: alabama just put Georgia on probation over the weekend by the way so <laughs> beat it by, no.
0: by 49 what did i tell you after alabama lost to uh, tennessee i said I, georgia will pay for this yeah. <laughs> and, and, and georgia georgia paid for it uh, alabama's now got two sec wins like by these types of margins. They beat vandy by 50,000 and 50, I
1: think it's 57 I think was the number which again is uh, unbelievable.
0: I always round up that to 50,000. Right. Know and, and and then beat uh Georgia by 49 which of course rounds up to 50,000. So uh Alabama just smoking people. I think they'll have the SEC locked up by the final weekend of the regular season. Same question different league. Is Kansas at Texas regular season finale going to be for the Big 12 title?
1: It is going to be for a share of the Big 12 title. Here is your schedule. Kansas at TCU. We will get to TCU in just a little bit here. They need to be noted with what they did over the weekend, and we will get to you, uh, Horned Frog fans. Then Kansas is home against West Virginia, home against Texas Tech at Kansas. That's 2-1 and at absolute worst. Texas, meantime... uh, got into a real fight in the mud with Oklahoma and won eighty five eighty three. That was in Austin. And now Tuesday night home against Iowa state, obviously winnable, but Iowa state can win that game. And then it's at Baylor at TCU. If, if Texas can go two and one in that spot, it needs to go two and one. And, and then Kansas has to, you know, lose at least one. I think it will be a, for a share. So Kansas can win it win the standalone Big Twelve regular season title, and I think when we get to Saturday, March fourth, Texas will be on its home floor playing. And I don't know how the tiebreaker would uh, would sort out that way because Kansas are, I get yeah because Kansas already has a win over Texas, and then they'd split. I don't have the league tiebreaker scenarios in front of me right now, um, so that's that's my prediction is they will be playing for the chance. I don't think they will have the same league record
0: on March fourth. I have it. I actually played it out and have it exactly like that. I think Texas will, I think Kansas will go into that game with a one game lead in the standings, and it'll be Kansas wins outright Big 12 champs, Texas wins co champs. And as it pertains, and I know you know this, but just for clarity's sake for people listening, as it pertains to tiebreakers in the league, that will just be to determine who's the one seed and the two seed in the Big 12 tournament. They will, no matter what the tiebreaker says, if they finish with the same league record, kansas texas or anybody else you know there's other schools that aren't out of this yet um you know they will officially be listed as co uh big 12 champions if if you finish with the best record in the league whether you lose a tiebreaker or not you win at least a share of that that big 12 um title and it just it like big monday on monday night is just massive Kansas at TCU like I think Kansas Kemp projects Kansas like a one point favorite in that game but I'll be interested to see what the uh, the books do with that because obviously Mike Miles jr is back and he's a real difference maker for that team we'll get the tcu later on so that's the situation in the big 12 awesome win for kansas uh with baylor i think i i think i flip-flopped baylor and texas in the top 25 and one uh put texas ahead of baylor drop baylor one i'm i'm never going to punish a team harshly for losing at allen fieldhouse given that that's just about the only thing you can do at at allen allen fieldhouse Your question to me earlier, what was the biggest result of the weekend before we went down this path? I was going to say, um, I think it's NC State over North Carolina. And we've talked about it a lot, but it doesn't make it any less of a massive story. The final score was 77-69. First off, do you see these dudes try to kill Turquavion again?
1: I did so. I I, uh, I did so. I I, I went I, I, I was every time. the
0: out. Quavion plays North Carolina. They they sent him to the to the hardwood. I, thought, I saw every there time. was something
1: going on. I I took in some some action on Sunday. I brought my boys to nearby Fairfield University. Checked a little Jasper Stags, and I might have a note in this week's court report. That is an unreal. I saw your pictures. facility. That is. I saw the, your pictures.
0: The, it looked great. It
1: is the real deal. Like. It, don't, I will not be surprised if we look up in eight years and Fairfield is like the power in that conference because of how much they have invested in that universe. They used to, you know, complete side note, but they used to play in, in, in an arena in downtown Bridgeport on the, on the shore of Bridgeport. And it was just too big. Like they, they, it, it wasn't where they needed to be. And so, um, yeah, no, it was awesome. And my thanks to the folks at Fairfield or you know, being so accommodating with my young guys, went with my sons. It was our fir- first time we'd ever. I I'd taken both of them to a game. I got a, a four year old who just wasn't able to go the past couple of years. That was awesome. But as I was watching that game, which came down to literally a free throw to decide whether or not it went to overtime or not, Manhattan got the win over Fairfield. There's your Mac minute here on the pod on a Sunday <laughs> night. I was streaming because I had genuine interest in the NC State UNC game, and. I got to be on now. I was following a little bit of Twitter as well. I thought maybe it was my stream, but I did see what apparently everyone else saw. And that was 1982 level grainy video when they were trying to determine after <laughs> Quavion Smith got taken out again in this game. Apparently it was okay in terms of not throwing out. I think it was Nance. You can speak to that more than I can. And I'm going to give you the floor here because Carolina is the bigger story, but I do just want to give state it's it's flowers here off the top because it's going to the tournament. No, it's not a lock yet, but uh, a major win in, in, in avoiding the sweep to UNC owning it here. I, I picked the Tar Heels. I was wrong. That one's on me. I was wrong. I'm going to own that entirely. But for NC state fans that have really been, you know, looking for something to quench this thirst about making the tournament they're here. Cause in 2020, they were on the bubble. They might've been there. They might not, but you didn't have a sure thing. Last time they were in the field was Keith's first season. It was a one-and-done, but it was a good debut season. 21-12. and 12. They've hit 21 wins now. They're going to win more games probably than any other season since he's been there. They did win 24 the next year, but as you know, with scheduling, it can sometimes be a little bit uneven there. So um, when UNC still hasn't registered a quad one win and Ohio State has stolen the, the only one they had and just plummeted, uh, Carolina is going to be the bigger deal, preseason number one team on the verge of history. But I at least wanted to give... Keats and that program, the rightful do because the ACC is down, but the Wolfpack are really, really getting it done. Next two games against Wake. And a Clemson team that we have to get to before we get out of this episode, before wrapping up against Duke. You still have more work to do, but very impressive. I was watch I watched those, I think it was GP three consecutive possessions. It was either three or four, where it was boom and boom and boom. The building's on fire, and they flipped it on Carolina and it was done. I wanna say there was like a minute and a half or two minutes to go when they took that eight-point lead and just totally changed the game around big time stuff. DJ Burns had an outrageous I think bank from the from the short wing there. So, credit to him, credit to Joiner, credit to NC State. You're in position. One or two more wins should have you in no matter what. Maybe even one is your magic number here. I really feel like that's probably the reality. That's what I got. What do you have?
0: It was loud um in Raleigh. The I, forgive me. I don't recall who was calling the game um cuz i was watching it in a hotel room with i had my little guys with me and and they were bouncing around the walls and iPads blaring but one of the announcers noted that he had been coming to that arena for 15 years or so and that he had never heard it this loud and that incl- i don't know if he was at this game but when i started thinking about all-time uh, great NC State moments remember that time that dude stormed the court in a wheelchair <laughs> yes it's one of the best. <laughs>
1: yes. I actually if you got a state fan in the chat here, remind us the it probably was Duke. I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess that's Duke in 2012. And that was a Saturday afternoon game, but that's that is a classic <laughs> moment. I'm that that's where I think I think it was some something in that realm.
0: I started laughing so hard, just dude, that memory popping back into my head. Dude stormed the court in a wheelchair <laughs> and got dumped over. <laughs> But he was okay. They actually did like feature
1: stuff on him after and he he's good. That's the, I want I want to emphasize our, our guy is our guy is uh, our guy is good. Yes,
0: I hope he's good. I ain't heard from him in a while. Anyway, the final score was 77 69. And as you know, it means North Carolina. Is now still stuck with zero quadrant ones wins. It's actually zero and nine now. It was like it's been fluctuating between zero and eight and zero and nine. It, it appears that at some point over the past couple of days, it went back down to zero and eight, uh, and this this takes it back to zero nine. Uh, Tar Heels are now six and eleven in the first two quadrants. Um, c- couldn't help but notice Caleb Love, RJ Davis combined nine of thirty from the field. That's obviously not good enough. And when we talk about North Carolina, we've been talking about them all season. Among the reasons they were preseason number one in the AP poll, it was bring back four starters from a national championship team and then add Pete Nance. And Pete Nance can be Brady Manic, And it's just – I'm not putting this on Pete Nance, all of it, but he's not Brady Manic, and that's been clear for a while. He was one of two from three in this game, and he's now shooting 28% from three. Like that's – yeah, that's not a that's not Brady, Brady Manick would never. It's
1: accept. not on Brady Manick, but I, I saw this tweeted out and I wasn't able to watch every possession uh, uh, NC State had what three turnovers in this game. Like that's also on Carolina's defense for not inducing that like it, it was just real. I'm bringing up the box right here. GP that's, that's three turnovers three so it's as much as that as it is anything with what you're getting to and I know you know that but that's rare rare stuff three turnovers in a game also was a major factor.
0: Um, Here's the thing, though, with North Carolina. Like, this is crazy to even be in this position. It's February 19th, and you're preseason number one, and you have zero Quadrant One wins. Like, that's insanity. As noted on one of the podcasts last week, there's only eight teams in the – because Wake Forest at some point gained a quarter One win just because the numbers shifted. So it, he, heading into this weekend, there were eight schools – from in a power conference without a Quadrant 1 win. And it's North Carolina and seven schools that clearly aren't going to the NCAA tournament. And North Carolina still has a chance. I know it seems wild, but they're not that far from the right side of the bubble. Six and 11 in the first two quadrants um, with uh, an 0-9 record in quad- Quadrant 1. So you get two losses in Quadrant 2, nothing in Quadrant 3, nothing in Quadrant 4. And the rest of the schedule, like it, it's it's equal parts simple, and, and um, filled with opportunity. What I mean by that is, on Wednesday, they're at Notre Dame. I guess nothing on the road is simple, simple, particularly for this team, but you should be able to handle Notre Dame. I mean, Mike Bray had, uh, announced he's not going to be the coach anymore in the middle of the season. If you can't beat that team, you, 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 know, you don't deserve any of the stuff you, you're trying to get. After that, you get Virginia at home on Saturday. Uh, according to Ken Palm, be favored in that game, at least based on the numbers right now. Um, then it's at Florida State. Florida State's terrible, so you should be able to handle that. If you're a legitimate NCAA tournament team, you should be able to handle that. And then the regular season finale inside the Dean Smith Center against Duke. Ken Palm has the Tar Heels favored in each of the next four regular season games. And based on the current net numbers, and as we've illustrated, they they they, they can change, and mm-hmm. and with it, the circumstances change. But based on the current numbers, like right now, as of this minute, um, if North Carolina were to go 4-0 in these next four, which again, according to Ken Palm, they'll be favored in all four. They would enter the ACC tournament 8-11 and in the first two quadrants with two quadrant one wins. That'd be heading into the ACC tournament. So they'd be three games below 500 in the first two quadrants with no additional losses. For some context right now and i think jerry's got a jerry palm has to update his bracket maybe monday morning but as of sunday night the last team in jerry's bracket is texas a&m and they're two games above 500 in the first two quadrants but they have two quadrant four losses which are like not not technically but, but they're like double losses if you have a quadrant four loss, it's like a double loss so north carolina still has a chance as bad as they've been all season and as hopeless as it must seem right now, if you're a Carolina fan, you just watched your team squander a lead and lose to an in-state rival to remain winless in Quadrant One, they can still get to the NCAA tournament fairly reasonably. Do you think they'll do it? Well, do you? Because I think,
1: did I ask you a, a week ago or nine days ago? And you said Kentucky, no, UNCS. Yes.
0: Wasn't that your verdict then? Yeah. And now I would say Kentucky, yes. Obviously, yeah. Kentucky's won two nice games since then. Uh, We'll get to that. Um, And I think I would still ever so slightly. You just can't quit this team. I would still ever so slightly say North Carolina is going to get there. I think Kentucky, I feel better. This time last week, I felt better about North Carolina than Kentucky. Now I feel better about Kentucky than North Carolina. But I still, if I had to bet, I would bet on North Carolina still getting there somehow, some way.
1: UNC's last six games. Here we go. One point loss at home to Pitt, six point loss at Duke, in an in a just a in an unappealing game for Carolina Duke. Seven point loss that felt like more at Wake. Completely handled Clemson, and now that's now looking a lot more like Clemson than Carolina. But twenty point win, you got it. That was a week ago. Handled at Miami earlier in the week. It was an eight point margin. Handled, and then. Couldn't keep up down the stretch on Sunday at NC State. Three of the five losses have come on the road, but lost at home to Pitt, a team also fighting for its tournament life. Lost at home to Miami, a team that was just knocking on the door of being a four seed on Saturday in the bracket reveal. Carolina, uh, you asked me and I'm... Oh, man. Um, It's got to beat Virginia and Duke in the regular season. I think it's got to go 4-0. If it doesn't do that, if we have, if it has a loss anywhere. It doesn't matter where it comes from. To me. Three and one, two and two and good night. Good night. Okay. Three and one. Um, Work to do in the, in the ACC tournament. And I have not gamed out this damn ACC bracket. Who the hell would want to do that right now? But UNC, is it eighth or ninth in the league? Here's <laughs> the problem, man. Like let's say UNC is eight. All right. Somehow it, it, it doesn't win. It doesn't go four no. It just lands on the eight line, however, it lands there. Like, it's got to play Virginia, probably. Like, come on. Unlikely. So, right now, I am saying 5743 UNC is not going. I think Carolina's magic number, even though you can't, you know, there's no scientific method to this. I'm just a GP's a baseball guy. I'm going to throw a little baseball terminology into him. I think Carolina's got to get minimum four wins to get into the tournament. And there are definitely people out there saying, uh, you know, ACC championship game regardless. Now that's not necessarily true. If it won the final four, the regular season, and then won it's first in the ACC tournament. I think uh, objectively that's going to be enough at that point. I think so. But I think it is more likely than not that UNC will not get there. And that was not my stance five days ago. It wasn't my stance on the pod. We did a drill handoff. And you can just toss your hands up in the air and just be like, this is it. I I actually blame the podcast. You know what? Uh, Camel fighting Dota birds and Leaky Black. This just runs with the theme all season long. It's it's our fault. This is on us. Leaky, apologies, Carolina. This is our doing from the start. We brought Leaky on in the preseason. Number one team. You see what's gone. Just absolute. You know what? Since then. Um, as much as UNC fans want to blame Hubert Davis,
0: blame us. It's our fault. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much with you on this. North Carolina goes 4-0. It will enter the ACC tournament on the right side of the bubble. If it goes anything less than 4-0, it will enter the ACC tournament on the wrong side of the bubble. But 3-1 and one would still give them a chance to get there. 2-2? Um, two and two? Yeah, you're going to have to it's there, no, no, no,
1: that's yeah, that's two and two and you got to win the auto bit. I'm almost convinced of it. Doesn't matter how the two come. If you get the two against Virginia and Duke but you lose to Florida State and Notre Dame, what what are we doing here? So, two and two is not getting a cut. And not I know not completely out on UNC. I don't even blame blame him for that. Um but uh, yeah, I don't know. Just it's
0: I, I There's would be, no way you saw what you saw over the last 6 games and think that this team has any shot. They're done. You guys don't feel like killing them? Record I will this. do it just, for you. Just Just make sure we have this for when we need it, <laughs> okay? Because there, there was not a there were moments last season when everybody said they were done too. And I know we're deeper into this. I know we're deeper into this than we were last season. But I don't know. I've just I've been here's the, like I hear I can understand why you might think they're done, and you might be right. But 68 team tournament, they ain't that far from it. Even right now, they're just not. People do not realize uh, you got to put 68 they teams in. You have to put 68 teams in this talk
1: thing. Talk about this.
0: this is people don't talk about it now. These
1: enough. These other podcasts out there, they don't know. It just you don't realize you got to put 68 teams into this thing.
0: Okay, I've got a question from Joel in the uh, YouTube comment that I think is a, a, a totally reasonable question. Uh, that that you know, he asked, how do you evaluate league races? How good teams are in leagues with such uneven schedules in these big leagues? And I, I guess to that, my answer would be: when it comes to league races, I just talk about them as they're presented. It's understood that in the ACC, the Big Ten, um, the SEC, everybody doesn't play the same schedule, and and, and yeah, some schools are going to have easier. Uh, schedules than others and that might actually contribute to who wins a league title and who doesn't but I don't care about it I just if you finish with the best record in your league you are the league champion and I label you as such if you're in first place in your league I call you the first place team in your league I don't i don't spend a second trying to you know well trying to qualify it with well they've had an easier schedule than this other team um you you are in your league what your record says you are as it pertains to where you stand within that league broadly speaking when it comes to evaluating teams like for the top 25 and one for the ncaa tournament selection process i don't even look at league records I mean, I don't look at them at all. Doesn't it's, it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, I like like it's why Texas A and M still isn't even close to the top twenty five and one, even though Texas A and M is now twelve and two in the SEC. I, I saw a quote from Dennis Gates heading into the Missouri Texas A and M game, and he said, "I don't know how you can be second place in the SEC and not ranked." Well, I know how you start the season six and five, you lose to Murray state and you lose to Wofford. You, you, you take two quadrant four losses. So from a league perspective, when it comes to a league race, I'm just looking at your league record. I'm just talking about your league record. That's what a league race is. But when it comes to evaluating teams for the NCAA tournament or for the top 25 and one, or, you know, I'll let Norlander speak for himself, but the Hay 19 power ranking that he does, I'm looking at your entire body of work, I, I genuinely right now in some of these leagues with some of these teams that I have and I don't even know where they're at in their league. I, I mean, I, I, I mostly do you, but I don't pay attention to it. I don't care about it. It it has no factor. I'm looking at your total body of work, and that is what the selection committee uh, yeah. does as well.
1: I'll just say this real quick, and then we can move on, talk about all these other teams and games. I don't know if there are many things that coach and I coaches and players should care about this. You want to win your league, but between like media and coaches that just, we just diverge so greatly on it. Winning a conference championship is a major thing. I'm not dismissing that entirely, but for the purposes of how we talk about teams and how they're playing, like, we can acknowledge that kind of stuff, but it just doesn't mean as much to us because we're, we're not invested in that. And fans, I understand fans will care about a league race as well, but particularly if we're talking about a team that's between third and fifth in a conference, it just doesn't matter to us.
0: Yeah. So that's the story with Kansas Baylor with NC state and North Carolina. Those were two big results from the weekend that provided me with an insurmountable lead in the t- final four and one, but they weren't the only notable results from the weekend. Kentucky, Kentucky, Improved its NCAA tournament hopes with a victory over Tennessee. That's a regular season sweep of the Vols. We'll get into that next, but first, a word from our partners. So Kentucky completed the regular season sweep of Tennessee inside Rupp Arena on Saturday. Is that a bigger deal? What's the bigger story coming out of that? Is it connected to Kentucky or connected to Tennessee?
1: Yeah, I'll run with the theme of the episode, and you know, I I just I feel it is Kentucky because Kentucky has now removed drama from its circumstances for the time being, you know, go win at Florida on Wednesday night and even further put yourself in the field. And then, uh, and then this won't be a, an every game kind of, you know, live or die situation there to get the season sweep of Tennessee is significant, not just because Kentucky now, you know, can, can be projected comfortably in the field and improve its situation. You know, Wildcats feel like a strong 11 to me at the moment, I guess, but even more than that, if it gets back into the group of the four to six teams that feel like they've got the most viscosity to their at-large viability, then Tennessee's sweep will amount to, I'm thinking it's got to amount to something that no other team in that hypothetical hypothetical would have GP, you know, two wins over a, a team that will be probably on the three line, or the four line at that point. So I think it's a bigger deal for Kentucky for Tennessee. It's coming off an interesting week. It wins at home clearly against Alabama does so shorthanded. And then again, goes to Kentucky shorthanded, you know, no Josiah Jordan James is available. Tennessee fans know, although he is not the outright stud that uh, was at sometimes thought he could be, he's a very good role player. And then Julian Phillips, who's a starter also not available. You know, it's you trade it off. You didn't need them to beat Bama. You needed them to beat Kentucky, and you didn't get it done. Tennessee has now lost three of its past four, four of its past six. If you enjoyed our Saturday Quickie Response Pod to the Bracket, uh, we both thought that Tennessee was too high on the overall seed line. I think it's particularly too high now. I know Tennessee fans have a little bit of an issue with that. It's got it's nothing against your team. I'm just looking at their overall resume here and the the fact that the offense simply it's interesting. What Baylor is seemingly showing us on the defensive end and and it's and it's major holes. Tennessee is the opposite of that on offense, and it's shown itself plenty of times there. And now it's got you know it's got to turn around and go play against the team that's looking right up at him, and one game behind him in the SEC, uh, or right up right below them. No, right up at him. Sorry, AM is second in the in the SEC. Tennessee, because of the loss, is now three games behind. Like it's almost unthinkable here that the Vols are in a spot where they would be three games behind the team in second place, but that's where we are. Good job by Kentucky to get itself just in a little bit better of a spot, but both of these teams are going to follow up that game with roadies in the next two to three days.
0: Yeah, I, I want to be clear. I'm not speaking for all Tennessee fans, but some Tennessee fans with Twitter accounts, um, what what they they point to their big wins because they have big wins. I mean, they got a win over Alabama, a win over Kansas, and a win over Texas. They've got three wins over Texas projected top two seeds according to the selection committee you know as of yesterday and then they look at you know third in the net and fifth at Ken Palm. so they say we're fifth at Ken Palm, third in the net and we've got three massive wins like maybe nobody's got three wins as good as those so what are you telling us we we're not a top 10 team or a, even a, at least according to the top 25 and one as of right now a top 15 team the problem is the other stuff like your kinpom number and net number, that that's part of the evaluation process, I guess. Your big wins definitely part of the evaluation process, but just part. There are other parts, and the loss column is a big part. Uh, how about this? Tennessee is now three and four in Quadrant Two games, under five hundred in Quadrant Two. Just scrolling through it, they are the only top forty net team in the country below five hundred in quadrant 2. And if you just look at some of the other teams that uh, Tennessee fans have been comparing themselves to, like the best teams in the country, let's just go through the the bracket reveal seating. Alabama 0 quadrant 2 wins. I mean z- I'm sorry, 0 quadrant 2 losses. Houston 0 quadrant 2 losses, although Houston does have a quadrant 3. Um Kansas, 0 quadrant 2 losses. Purdue, 0 quadrant 2 losses baylor zero quadrant two losses texas zero quadrant two losses virginia zero quadrant two losses you know uh arizona one quadrant two you get the point all these other teams have zero or one tennessee has four quadrant two losses this changed overnight when the net rankings updated but at the time the tennessee kentucky game went final tennessee had six losses to sub 35 net teams and that's at least two more than literally everybody else in the ap poll now because kentucky moved into the top 35 um it's now four but that's still just as many as anybody else in the ap poll and more Than almost everybody in the AP poll. So that loss column is becoming problematic. And like I wrote in the top 25 and one on Sunday morning, if you're trying to figure out, because Kentucky's, I mean, Tennessee probably has the most all over the place resume in the country right now in terms of great wins, but head scratching losses. What it tells me, and a lot of this stuff is they're great defensively and not so great offensively. And do you see they're like four or 14 from the free throw line? Like yeah, they yeah, yeah. Shot it terribly from the field, terribly from three, and it was it was it unimaginably it was a bad of performance. Yeah, yeah no, really it was. It was yes. But they do this all the time. They do this all the time, and what it tells me is that Tennessee is good enough when it plays well to beat anybody. It's not hard to imagine Tennessee being in the final four. I can I can see that. I can I also. Cannot,
1: I cannot honestly. I can't. I, I, just, I, I don't count on the offense to win four in a row. I, I, I would differ from you on that.
0: Well, let me be clear. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying I can see it. I can imagine it. What I can also imagine is them getting a four seed, three seed, and then losing a first-round game in the NCAA tournament. It's not hard to imagine that either. Yeah, I, us, it, it, yeah. Everything's on the table for Tennessee. Based Tennessee. on that defense yeah. is so great, they can beat anybody, and that offense is sho- so shaky – I don't want to say they can lose to anybody, but they can definitely lose to the type of team they will be playing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They already this season have lost to worse teams than that. Yeah.
1: Man, um, man, yeah. Just now they got, <laughs> now they got a next. You know, and, and on Buzz the road. got them on the road. Buzz Williams' team, somewhat oddly, the only loss at home to Wofford. Wofford uh, does not have a. It has an interim head coach right now. The coach that was coaching Wofford in that game isn't there anymore. Jay McCauley, he stepped away or basically pushed out. Wofford's 15 and 14 and, you know, a middle of the pack SoCon team, but it hasn't lost in league play yet. Credit to AM for getting a win. I would think that AM would be, will be ranked on Monday. I Paris doesn't have in his rankings, but I don't is, think
0: that, like Jerry. You know, literally literally I wonder, a- I'll just
1: wonder GP they've, they've lost twice since Christmas at Kentucky at Arkansas and sometime like the voting collective, right. They might, they might reward them. Um, and a decent amount of noise around again, that conference placing placement overall. And, and buzz has done a, is done a good job. Now it has been with a little bit of anonymity to this point, but it was a clear cut win on the road against Missouri. That is, that is impressively done and, and was A and M's best road win since they, you know, almost a month ago they went in and did something similar against Auburn. So we've seen enough there. I think A and M will crack the poll. I could be wrong, but I think they will. And now we will see how A and M. Which it was under, like it's been under pressure to do well. I mean, it's it's been able to beat Arkansas and win at Missouri, when quite clearly that tournament resume was was up for real debate, bubble team stuff, right? And now you're going to have a Tennessee team come into your building that has shown the best of it and and really uh, much of the worst of it over the past week. So that's that's a really intriguing game uh, on Tuesday night. A M would come extremely close to lock territory if it beat the Vols. I can't go all the way there because the the losses on the schedule are pretty glaring. But in the non-conference wasn't great, but you've done so much winning here. I actually think that's a pretty big opportunity for AM in less than forty-eight hours.
0: You might be right. A M might crack the top twenty-five. Earlier in this podcast, I said they're not even close to my top twenty five and one. And that's because I do mostly care about the entire body of work. I don't disregard what you did in November and December. But I guess you could, you know, this stuff is all subjective. I guess you could reasonably argue that on February 19th, I'm not really concerned with what somebody looked like on November 19th. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a long time ago. And a lot of teams are different basketball teams now, you know, Ohio state is vastly different now than it looked in November and uh, Texas A&M in opposite ways, obviously is a vastly different, team than it was in november so if you wanted to rank a&m put them on ap balance fine with me the way you have to do it though is just say i don't care about any of the stuff that happens before christmas and and again maybe that's reasonable like i'm not gonna sit here and say that's stupid i don't i don't necessarily it's not what i do but i don't necessarily think it's dumb if you just say hey yeah they, they were horrendous before christmas they started the season six and five but god christmas was a long time ago and you know, everybody's Christmas trees are down. Everybody's Christmas lights are down. It's a long time ago. And if you focus on who's the best basketball teams in the country right now, Texas A&M is one of them. And Because going to Missouri and winning ain't easy. Like some good teams have lost there this season. And Texas A&M went in there and won. So that, that's the argument for A&M. It's not one that that I'm going to subscribe to. I'm not going to abandon the way I do things. But I, I don't have a – like, like if I look at your power rankings – um,
1: if they beat Tennessee, I think I'm going to put them in. Yeah, it's going to I be got no problem with ball that. Ball that. Point, yeah, they're going to be just yeah. one. They'll be, they'll qualify as one of the hottest teams in the country if they can beat the Vols. Yeah,
0: and, and I, you know what? If if they beat Tennessee, I, I'll probably end up putting them in as well. I, um, I don't think you'll have a choice. I, I don't know if <laughs> you'll yeah. have a
1: choice at that point to, to be honest. So no, that, that's fair. Um, all right, right, let's. you want to tour the rest of the weekend here? What, yeah, uh, I'll, just what bounce the you, I'll
0: just bounce you through some other notable results, and we see, we'll see where it takes. It's like we already mentioned, Alabama blasted Georgia by 49. Not to be too outdone, Purdue blasted Ohio State by 27. We mentioned Mike Miles Jr. came back. TCU beat Oklahoma State by 25, put 100 on them. Mike Boynton, after the game, said – I don't know if you saw the quote. He said, I want to be clear about this. This is about TCU – Making us look bad, <laughs> we we weren't just bad. <laughs> they did that to us. Uh, so I, I thought that I, I appreciated the quote. Um, t- uh, uh, my friend and colleague John Rostein has said earlier in the season um, that he thinks when Mike Miles is healthy, when TCU is healthy, he thinks mm-hmm. that's the best team in the in the Big Twelve. And I think you can make an argument that 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 maybe so. I mean, I'm still leaning toward Kansas. I think, but Man. I I get it. I get it. TCU with Mike Miles is is really really good and because keep in mind that stupid quad four loss they took very early in the season that was also without mike miles like with with mike miles this is a one seed candidate
1: it's, and then they're not going to get it just so no, TCU yeah. fans, it's just it's not going to work that way will it come up i i guess so i i honestly don't think your seeding is going to be affected at all now if you want to build the case i'm certainly willing to be a sympathetic ear and listen to it uh, but I just don't see that. Like you gotta, you still gotta win the games, but right. that being, but, but, that being dude, that being said, TCU without him can't win. He comes back against the top 10 <laughs> defense in the country and they score a hundred. They no, like he's, set a program big 12 record. It's unbelievable.
0: He's the most valuable player in the country. <laughs> it's real, man. They can't beat anybody without him. And then he comes back and they just, they score a hundred. Um, I want to actually see what their record is with Mike Boynton. I mean, with uh, with, with I mean, Mike Boynton, I don't think with, they've won a game. <laughs> they have not won a game with, with Mike Miles because it's obviously bad with them. So they got one loss, two loss, three losses. They got three losses, and he has played nineteen games. They're sixteen and three with Mike Miles. If if he, they are a one seed candidate with mm-hmm. Mike Miles, which is going to be interesting because they're not going to get a one seed. Let's say they get a 4. Well, oh, no. that's 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 tough stuff. <laughs> Cuz now you're that's, playing yeah. you're 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 in the Sweet 16 as a one seed and you're playing a team that has been awesome at full strength and now suddenly they're at full strength. So uh, that was uh, the big story among the big stories in the Big 12 over the weekend. Mike Miles returns, TCU looks great. Providence dropped Villanova to 7 and 9 in the Big East. Uh, like like we've talked about before, North Carolina and Kentucky struggling has been the major, like, great program struggling story of the season. But, like, Villanova deserves to to be a part of that. Like, we – we I, I think we were sort of – not just you and I, but we as, like, people who follow the sport was like, ah, well, you know, they, they don't have Justin Moore. They, they, well, they do have him now, and they're still not good. And so, like, that's – you're one of the Cal Neptune era's not, not going too well. Clemson – Oh boy! Lost at Louisville, which ended its NCAA tournament hopes because I do ended you, it. Yeah, I don't know if you read about this. There's a rule that was implemented this season. You can't make the NCAA tournament if you lose to Louisville. Oh, I missed that. It's a new rule. It got passed. Oh, Okay, so hold on. Let me bring
1: this up here. Um, so that means Western Kentucky, you're done. Florida and M, you're out of here. Yeah. Georgia Tech. Let's be real, and then Clemson. Yeah, that's I told you. And by the way, did you saw you saw the, hang, the you hung they hung the banner? You saw that? I love it. I do too. Can I I'll just I'll just oh so the quick back story on this. So, it I understand, I understand. And I even like I playfully, I didn't even poke fun at it. I just I pointed out cuz I don't think a lot of people realize this. But on Saturday, Louisville celebrated its 10-year anniversary of winning the 2013 National Championship. We all saw it. It all happened. Louisville viable National Championship winner but it obviously has been vacated. It's the only major champion in, you know, in, in big time college sports that, that, that's, that's ever happened to at least in men's basketball, I should say. Um, that the NCAA changed the rule. What I was not aware of is that that rule about you can't have anything acknowledged that that went into effect in 1990. So there are schools around the country that have made the tournament or a Final Four a championship. The, those banners are hanging because they got grandfathered in. But if you have been vacated of a championship after 1990, you cannot do it. That's why Michigan doesn't have stuff hanging up that represents the Fab Five era. Now, I was told that Louisville actually went and tried to do this in 2017 in a variety of different ways. Let us hang this kind of banner. Let us hang that kind of banner. Let us hang a coach's number one banner. And the NCAA told Louisville, take a hike. It's not going to happen. And only because or maybe not only, but a primary reason why this happened was that the people in charge of allowing or not allowing this thing, most if not all of them, are not who were who were there in 2017. So Louisville deserves to have something in the rafters. This is not Florida state with its 2020 canceled banner. I I, like that as an all timer. (laughs) It's not that they finished the season as national champions. The AP poll did not have them. Number one, because as we remind you pretty much annually for whatever reason, the AP poll, the final one of the year is the one that comes out the Monday after selection Sunday. There is not an AP poll that is released after the NCAA tournament. There is a coaches' poll. So the only poll that Louisville finished number one in was the coaches' poll. This was the workaround. They celebrated the team. They're undefeated with that
0: banner and the rafters. First off, I think it's I I I think it's wild that the NCAA can tell you what you can hang in your building or not. I mean, and by wild I mean ridiculous. Um, and if they want to like draw the line at, you cannot say you want you are the NCAA tournament champion because that has been vacated. I don't understand how they could tell you you can't hang a banner that says we won the 2013 NCAA tournament. Not we're the 2013 NCAA tournament champions because that was vacated. But we won. We won it. We did win it. Okay. I, or so and you're if you want into a
1: banner semantic situation. Yes.
0: Right. Right. Or or you could say this. Um, we especially what they just did. I don't know why like, we it's did finish funny. number one in the coaches poll. We we did do that. And and the coaches poll did not vacate us. And the
1: coaches, but here's the only reason why they can do that, not the other stuff from what I understand. And maybe this eventually changed. It should eventually change. Literally, the coaches poll is an independent body separate from what happened in the tournament, right. whereas right. it's the NCAA running the tournament. And the NCAA says, nah, man, we vacated that. And so you can't hang it up. Go You want to hang it up, go ahead and try us and see how that works. And if you're Louisville, to be fair, if you're Louisville, I don't know if you really want to be fanning those flames. That's, but your point if, is extremely well taken, and I agree with
0: it. Yeah, no, like if I were running a, a university in these circles, I, I would almost be willing to like, you know what? It's a Since you lose in court every time you go, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hang whatever banner we want to because it's our building. Like imagine, like where where do you draw the line on this? The NCAA, can they tell you whose number you can retire or not? Hey, you can't re- you can't retire Chris Weber's number because he was part of it. Yeah, like they, they, can they tell you that? Like that's yeah.
1: His records got vacated. Yes, no, yes. they can't I've tell you
0: who you can I honor. Think so. I they can't. I think so. How can I, they tell okay. you? Because honoring somebody is that that is up to you. Like yeah. at Memphis, at Memphis, they just decided to hang Lorenzen Wright's jersey. The NCAA couldn't step in and say don't do that for any reason. It's yeah, like I guess. I mean, so like I, I, yeah. so so uh, I we we acknowledge they can't tell you what the hang is. it's your arena <laughs> what are we talking about so here's what i would do like if i were the president of louisville or a circle back memphis does not have a 2008 final four banner for the exact reasons that louisville didn't have a 2013 national championship i would hang the banner and you know what i would do i would say since you lose in court all the time tell us we have <laughs> to take it down and then we'll take you to court and we'll let a judge decide now,
1: on that question, you know FedEx Forum as well as anyone. Is the eighty four or what eighty five?
0: I, I, because they can technically do it. Because I was told yeah, it was since ninety. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I don't. Memphis has been to three oh, final fours. Two of them have been vacated. <laughs> the only one that is not vacated is seventy three. They, they eighty five vacated. Two thousand eight vacated. I, I'm, I'm not. I. I, I I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested I, to know because I, 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 I I'm just going off of what I was told. And this person definitely knows what they're talking about with the NCAA stuff. And it was uh, the rule got enacted in 1990. Um, how about giving Louisville five minutes on a Sunday pot at the end of February? But a good win, Clemson. Ho oh, oh, ho oh, ho, boy. Um, that is extremely detrimental, and your situation is arguably even more urgent than Carolina right now. If you can win a couple of games, we'll, we'll get you back in the mix here. But Syracuse at home next, win that, then at NC State next Saturday. I have to ask you what you have in this document because I honestly, I missed this, whatever it was. And there's a few more games I'll bring up for you, but your last one you brought up here is Mick Cronin turning into a conspiracy theorist. I don't know what this is. On, right? He must have said something. I just didn't catch the quote.
0: So he was asked about <laughs> UCLA being... I guess what amounts to eighth?
1: Yes, they were eighth. Arizona was
0: sixth. We also talked about that. In the bracket reveal. And he went into a little thing about, well, you have, and I'm not quoting him here. I'm paraphrasing. But he went into a little thing like, we have to understand, when we left the Pac-12, we knew there would be repercussions. They haven't left the Pac-12 yet, but okay. And because that decision has cost a lot of people a lot of money. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars a year for some of these universities. The implication was somebody wow. on that committee is holding it against us that we're le which is like Are I we
1: sure that. this was not tongue and cheek my only question is do oh, we have no.
0: oh I watched the video he Oh was okay have so seen it oh my oh. come on Mick He's dead serious come on Mick
1: <laughs> He could not he we're could not do this after we're no we're not even doing this after the real thing
0: we're doing this in February after the top 16 Oh, he could not have been more serious, and <laughs> like we both love Mick Cronin. He's uh, the we greatest do not have Kyrie ever Cronin ever. going
1: on right now, do we?
0: Kyrie Cronin, come on, Kyrie Cronin. I think the more likely explanation for why the selection committee, because I do think they underseeded UCLA. We both agreed on that. We do agree on that. Yes, I think the more likely scenario is that they just they're just wrong. They just messed up. I don't think there's some conspiracy against UCLA. Kyrie Cronin is hilarious, though
1: come on. I got to find this. I got to seek this out. Just the fact that he's willing to go in and, and it's not even like he was like on the three line. Then even more, I hear you, but he was, they did technically land on the two. Uh, That's just, that's just too good. We, and, and listen, Cronin greatest coach in UCLA history. Hashtag Nell can stay. We're here for it. And I actually, I'm still in on UCLA, it being viable national title contender. I'm still heavily considering them among my three or four most likely candidates there, but you can't be going in on that. Uh, UCLA did, <laughs> did sweep the, the, uh, the NorCal schools over the weekend down there in LA. Um, all right. A few other results. I just want to toss on you then. Cause I know you tossed a few at me. I will just simply mention, New Mexico winning at San Jose State. It, it, New Mexico was really flirting with disaster, and it needed to win that game on the road just to stay in the conversation there. It got it done. And then Utah State as well. Utah State, I still don't think it has a quad one win, but it beat Nevada. So some Mountain West love. The conference helped itself, broadly speaking, but there's still more work to be done. On Saturday, what else? Um, Indiana beating Illinois. I gave you 37 and a half. Trace Jackson Davis, <laughs> rebounds, and he hit 38.
0: I noticed that.
1: 38, and a really good win. I, if you listen to the Saturday pod, obviously we're talking in real time. Good job on Indiana to come back and get that win. Uh, another impressive win, and, and I know IU fans are familiar with this, Big Ten fans familiar with this, but if you're just if you're not checking in every single day, just a reminder, Xavier Johnson is the team's third best player, and their lead guard, he is still out. And in theory, if he can come back and be effective you are looking at a very, very viable second weekend team. So uh, continued good signs, uh, for, uh, for IU there. Anything else from Saturday that I, I think is worth pointing out here? Um, I'm scrolling through it. Cause it, you know what you mentioned off the top, there wasn't a ton of upsets. There wasn't a ton of off script stuff. I will, I do want to note the powerful scene as expected at Chrysler, Michigan got the win, 84-72. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase Izzo here as well. I think he said something to the effect of like, if ever I wish I had the power to win one game ever, it was this one for our community and for those people. I hear Izzo loud and clear, but he's done uh, way above and beyond. And it was a really, and really, you know, a, as expected, emotional scene. But something I did appreciate was how all of that was the continual backdrop throughout the game. But geez, the game had a lot of urgency to it and Michigan really composed itself and it's got so much work to do from an at-large resume perspective, GP, but it did win by 12. You know, it, it got, it got a very, very important win and in doing so it split the season series with Sparty.
0: Yeah. That was, um, really sweet. You know, I, I, um, seen the video and the pictures, you know, they, they turned it green and, It was just a really sweet moment. And I don't know if you saw the tweet from the Michigan State athletic director earlier, but he was like, I just want to thank Michigan um, for doing, again, I'm paraphrasing, but um, for for doing what you did this weekend. Like, we are rivals, you know, in sports, but um, our humanity um, overruns any of the – any of the places where our colors separate us. And it was just like those are two big time, and we've seen we've seen this in college sports now multiple times under awful circumstances over the past few months. After Mike Leach died, the Mississippi State football coach almost literally put Mississippi State um, stuff on its uniform, on its helmet when it played its bowl game. And those two very bitter I mean, bitter rivals um, really came together. Like, obviously, based on where I live, you know, my wife's an Ole Miss grad. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law are Mississippi State grads. Like, we're surrounded by this stuff, and and those two schools don't like each other. And you know, Ole Miss fans, I think, were genuinely rooting for Mississippi State in their bowl game. And you know, Lane Kiffin went to 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 mike leach's funeral and they they really showed hey we can come together in this moment we don't like your football team and you don't like our football team but but this is bigger than that and same thing for michigan and michigan state this weekend i thought it i thought it was terrific like it really you know um i don't know i i i thought it was awesome i thought it was an awesome scene
1: i agree a couple more leftovers from saturday i i will note like we we have um uh, we've, you know, we—I don't know if we poke fun at Vandy, but whatever. Vandy's won five in a row, and it beat Auburn. I, I think Auburn fans were filling up more than half of that joint, and they really made the trip up to Nashville. You don't really need many excuses to make that trip, but the point is, the jungle traveled, and it just—I don't want to say it didn't matter. It was a close game, but Vanderbilt has quietly won five in a row, and you know, a month ago, I think there was just curiosity like is you know not that Stackhouse was like in grave jeopardy but was like will this continue to uh, to a fifth season or not well you look up and they've they've turned into a factor there auburn remains a, a roving target in the dark uh, and has won two games since january 25th those games at home against georgia at home against missouri now they destroyed missouri less than a week ago but yeah just don't really know much rutgers did get a good win by one well let me let me, on let me the road real, against Wisconsin.
0: real quick on that um yep. Auburn has one win over a top 40 Ken Palm team all season, and it was shorthanded Arkansas. They really haven't done much.
1: I, don't, I haven't even looked. I'll look at this real quick. Uh, I feel like they're uh, – They beat Northwestern. What is, where does Palm have them? Hold on. I feel like Palm's got them like on the –
0: 21. Nine. I mean, like, oh, well, I don't know where Palm – I'm not looking we'll at look that. Right now. Yeah, the it. point I was saying, they're, they're 21st at Ken Palm. They have strong computer numbers, oh. but not a very strong yeah. resume. Again, one win over a top forty Ken team all season, and that that win was over a shorthanded Arkansas team and on Vanderbilt. While you're looking that up, mm-hmm. um, like Jerry Stackhouse coached in the G League before he coached at Vandy and had a great reputation. Like you know, he worked in the Grizzlies organization um, and, and had a great reputation, and it obviously has not gone well at Vanderbilt. But I, I don't know if you've heard the same stuff, but like when I talk to coaches about Jerry Steckhouse, they do not goof on him the way they goof on some other coaches who aren't having success. I, 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 all I've ever heard from other coaches is that Jerry Steckhouse is really good. It just hasn't – the, the win-loss stuff hasn't been right. But he he is respected in the coaching community. Like I hear good stuff about Jerry Steckhouse, and it now looks like some of that – is is starting to show itself like Vanderbilt's still not going to make the NCAA tournament I mean they're still just 15 and 12 let's calm down a little bit but they are they are playing well um, lately you know like you said five game winning streak victories over Ole Miss Tennessee Florida South Carolina Auburn he seems to have this team headed in the right direction and now we'll see assuming he's back next season I think that's a reasonable assumption Um, we'll see if he can get the program you know, headed in the right direction, that direction being toward the incident tournament.
1: All right. I'm not going to let myself get out of here without being rightfully ribbed over at Nebraska. But before we get to that, I did bring up palms bracket and this is going into the weekend. So he did have Auburn on the nine line. That'll drop it. How about this? Nevada was on the eight line lost Oklahoma state on the nine line lost. Iowa got drubbed by Northwestern, which can uh, Northwestern again, love to just, just barrel into this thing. Break down the double doors. Extremely impressive to continue this kind of momentum. Iowa, though, lost. NC State gets the dub. Pitt, eight line, lost. Memphis, nine line, lost. Auburn, nine line, lost. Michigan State, eight line, lost. So all teams except for NC State that were either eight or nines in Palms bracket going into the weekend took
0: an L. um, Which, by the way, is why North Carolina, just to circle back, ain't that far away from this thing. All these teams lose that's uh, practically it's it's a feature not a
1: bug yes uh, without a doubt and bubble teams but, breaking news bubble teams lose a lot it, it it does happen uh 80 to 60 northwestern over iowa on sunday and then i'm here i'm here for it um Ooh, boy you know so uh, i'm getting ready to to come on the pod but i had to put my help put my uh, kiddos down so i step away and then i boot up the laptop uh, i was watching Maryland, North, uh, Maryland, Nebraska. I was watching all of it. And uh, and so but then I dip away for 10, 15 minutes, whatever, open up the laptop, and what do I see? I see this if you're watching on YouTube. That's Sam Hoiberg. That's <laughs> that's Nebraska's S I D, Seamus McKnight. Pod listener, we this pod is huge in the SID community. By the way, I had, <laughs> it? I had,
0: I, I had no, I had, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I had a couple actually reach out to me uh, that said I uh, appreciate you guys doing the Saturday one. They were they listened like shortly after it went into the feed, so I p- appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna own it. I said Maryland would win by I think fourteen. Okay, yeah,
0: that one's I'm on gonna, me. I was I'm, wrong. I'm gonna own it. I told you. I, as we, I was. Th- I said, listen, got good news, bad news for Maryland. The good news is that. Woo, you just beat Purdue. Biggest, biggest win of the season. One of the biggest wins in recent years. Great moment for Kevin Willard. Bad news is, next up, you got to turn right around and go to Pinnacle Bank. And you mocked me. <laughs> you did. mocked I, me.
1: I, I didn't mock you so much as I mocked that building, as I often do, because I still think Hoyberg's only won like seven home games there.
0: That place is special.
1: There's some magic in that place. Uh, again, I that's
0: I have the beholder stuff, I suppose. Yeah, and think but... about it. Sam Hoyberg, he blew up. I blew up. Grew up. Uh, yeah. We well, okay. did blow up. But grew up inside Hilton. You know he was crawling around Hilton. Must have been. I mean, he
1: also might have been like nine, so let's let let's have him let's have him ambulatory, please.
0: I know people don't this is another thing people don't know. Sam Hoyberg crawled till he was eleven years old. Okay.
1: Now come get him, Seamus. (laughs) Come get your guy. I'm off the hook.
0: (laughs) No, I apologize to Carol. I didn't. I'm I'm just goofing around. I'm sure. I'm sure Sam was walking before his first birthday. I'm sure he was. you got him
1: some world records. All right, that's drastic, drastic. No, I think about one.
0: That that, that, my kids were all walking by one. They were they were walking at zero. I think all my kids walked before their first birthday. All
1: right. Hoiberg had the the steal and the layup to to clinch it. So that's also really. A really really cool thing and yes a nice win for nebraska we talked about curiosity over Stackhouse. i'd say so there was some of that some i never actually bought that this was going to be a really uh make or break year for hoiber personally but that's all that talks like all out the window and that's a really good win maryland just takes a ding to his tournament resume it's still fine and there's it has nothing to be concerned about at the moment um i'm not going to say it's as good as a lock because you know Don't go lose at home to Minnesota, and don't go lose at Ohio State. But it's in it's in fine position. It just it couldn't get it done in regulation, and then Nebraska closed the door in OT and won by four.
0: Pinnacle Bank's a special place. That's what they say. Never been. Never been either. I gotta go. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, that's that's no coincidence. I've been in Nebraska. You ever been in Nebraska?
1: Have not. Have not I've been, been a Nebra- It's, it's and not I, my I, choice. I would love to I would love to get out there. Um, big fan of the band Mo. Nebraska's easily in my top five Mo songs. So I am I'm all about Nebraska. Who gets
0: to Pinnacle Bank first? You or me? Probably you. I don't go anywhere anymore. I only go back and forth to New York now. <laughs> the only places I'm 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 either in my house, at my golf course, at FedEx Forum, or in New York City. Those are the only four places I go. That's tough. It's tough. Tough life I'm living. Tough deal. Um, You know, looking at the next two
1: nights. Yeah, let's go. What do we got?
0: All right. Like we mentioned on Monday night, massive game. Kansas at TCU. Can't wait for that one. Big time. Big time game. Oklahoma State at West Virginia.
1: Uh, Enough enough intrigue there, 7 Eastern ESPN 2. Oklahoma State's still got room in the field, clearly. West Virginia. Super weird resume. Super weird team. They've lost three in a row. You need to get this one, West Virginia.
0: Kenny Payne taking a one-game winning streak to Duke. I did not have that one on my radar, but okay. <laughs> Kenny Payne's on a one-game winning streak. Had
1: to be it? on a one. Does it? I, I would. I personally, it's got to be three to be qualified as a streak. I don't even give you two. Three is. A you streak. have to. You have to grade on.
0: A, you have to grade on a curve with Louisville. <laughs> okay it's Louisville's on a one game winning streak. It's like dog years a little bit, you know, did you see the
1: video I tweeted when Louisville won? Cause Louisville athletics tweeted it over the weekend.
0: I don't think we I are at it.
1: 10 years. We are at 10 years. I would play it, but you got to watch it to have a, to have it hit and whatever. We have been 10 years since the Harlem shake was a thing. Gosh, oh, yeah. that was kind of flash. It's been 10 years. So 10 years ago, Louisville wins some sort of game and they're in the locker room and Patino's like starting to talk like normal. Just, we play great defense. We did what we needed to do. I'm so proud of you guys. And then Russ Smith stands up on a chair and the Harlem Shake music starts talking. And You hear Patino going, what the hell are you doing? And it's just <laughs> Russ Smith dancing. And then the, just the the flash cut and then all the Louisville players are just going nuts in the locker room. Harlem Shake, that was a real, that was a real thing for about six months back in 2013. I can't believe it's been a decade. I enjoyed the Harlem Shake. You should bring it back. I might bring it back. I think you and Rostin in the studio Tuesday night bring it back.
0: Oh, dude, you don't even know what's going on tomorrow. I don't. A special time to shine. You and John? me and Rostin are doing time to shine together.
1: Uh, I got I got bad news for you, man. i got I got real bad news. So I'm bringing up the schedule. And you're going to lead with UC Irvine at Cal Poly followed in the B block by Arkansas Buff against Texas Southern followed soon thereafter by Howard at Morgan State and a little Coppin State Norfolk State before you get out.
0: of. That. We were joking because it is going to be a special college basketball edition of Time to Shine because... I don't, I, I, I say this, like J- J- John doesn't care about anything other than college basketball. So it's not like I can bring him on and talk about uh, NFL offseason stuff. He doesn't care.
1: <laughs> and, he, and so I, was, I saw John Friday night. I went to Iona. I'll have something on Rick Pitino later this week. So I saw John, he was there and I mentioned somehow, I f- I somehow came up in conversation about it being All-Star weekend, and he was like, oh, the All-Star game's this weekend?
0: Yeah, no, that's oh, what it is. Yeah.
1: Yes, the All-Star <laughs> game's happening.
0: So we're doing nothing with college basketball. So we were joking in studio like earlier in the week. It was like, um, welcome to Time to Shine. Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the Jets. LeBron James tore his ACL in Sunday night's All-Star game, but we start at Providence. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's that's what we're doing. So I start uh, with Ed Cooley's rotation <laughs> off the bench. Why wouldn't we? Uh, Tom Brady has unretired once again. Giannis Antetokounmpo died in the All-Star game. But we start with an incredible season at Fordham. I mean, that's where we're headed. <laughs> that's where we're-
1: Oh man, Fordham did come up between me and Rostin on on Friday as well. So yeah. <laughs> No, it's He's a, like a, they got it done in league play. I was like, I know because <laughs> if you if you look at Ken Palm, their schedule is ranked three sixty three out of three sixty
0: three. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have to get into this. Get, the details. Don't matter. I, I
1: know, I know. All right,
0: so there's you go. Special. Yeah, time yeah. show. Oh, on, oh it's, on, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be we're gonna have a good th- we're gonna have a good time with it. Can't wait. So that's uh that's on Monday. On Tuesday night, Villanova at Xavier, Baylor at Kansas State, big one. Yes can't believe Brent Stover is going to be in Asia calling MMA <laughs> instead I've of in the seen. studio watching Kansas State with me. Tennessee at Texas A&M, we mentioned massive game. Miami at Virginia Tech, Mississippi State at Missouri, Marquette at Creighton. Yeah. Big one. Big one. Huge, huge night. Um Iowa State at Texas, Indiana at Michigan State. Tuesday night is loaded. That
1: is a loaded schedule. Man, oh man. Um best game on that slate for me is Probably Marquette Creighton. John Fanta hit me up with an absurd tiebreaker situation in the Big East. If Creighton wins that game, I'll bring it to you Wednesday if Creighton wins. Um, and yes, literally, Fanta was like, You gotta know this, Norland. I'm like, Do I? And then I was like, Hell yeah, <laughs> I need to know that. But Creighton's gotta win the game. Um Baylor, Kansas State's really good. At, we talked about Tennessee AM. Man, oh man, oh man, Tuesday is just that is a stacked, stacked schedule. There I don't even know if you mentioned Miami at Virginia Tech, which isn't like top six or top seven, but Miami's on the road trying to play for you know top four seating. It just was on the outside looking in there. So that is
0: Virginia Tech got a win this weekend.
1: It did. It did over over the Pitt Panthers there. Hmm. So um interesting. And uh interesting. And Texas I can't seem to lose anymore. It plays at Oklahoma. So we'll see. That's uh no, that's a that's a tasty tasty and just slam jam slam Tuesday night.
0: All right, I think that's it.
1: I think I think we are. We are, by the way, I'm I'm not opposed to these. We try to get them in an hour, but this is like our six straight podcast. That's like seventy plus minutes. But uh, maybe we want? need
0: to t- maybe we need to tighten it up a little bit. I don't know.
1: I don't know if we do. By the way, I saw the comment near the top of the show. Just remind us next year, because we did it last year. We're not doing it now. We did Last year, for whatever reason, however the calendar broke, we actually did a fun little exercise where we each like drafted our college basketball all-star teams, but we had to include a mid-major guy. It was a really fun thing, and I forgot we did it until someone literally at the top of the show was like, who would you take for your college all-star teams? Forgot about it. Someone find us like two weeks before the all-star game next season, and we'll be sure to do it.
0: Oh, by the way. Yes. That's the B block in Time to Shine on Monday. <laughs> oh, is it real? Oh, look at this playing off of the because it's like how do we how do we play off of the All Star Game <laughs> without talking about the NBA? It's like, uh, the you better mandate
1: to? some mid major players because you know that's where the magic's really going to happen. You know that's what's going. I
0: gotta figure we have a draft first thing Monday
1: morning. You just you just take Antoine Davis and get it done with, you know?
0: <laughs> you
1: get Antoine Davis and then you and you get Antoine Davis, Max A. Smith. Let Rostin take care of the rest of the small
0: guys. I'm taking Leaky Black number one overall. That's
1: what I wanna hear. I'm
0: Let's showing go. I'm gonna show loyalty. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester South Carolina, shouts to Huck Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College basketball podcast. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe anywhere, you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. It needs to be reflected in the comments. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, do that, please. We thank you in advance, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Till then, take care. Nebraska, I'm...